Hello everybody, today my guest is Graham Klukas. Graham is a psychotherapist and founder of the charity Quing. Quing is a relatively new charity which focuses on helping people recover from trauma and it approaches this through community building, peer mentoring and educational programs as well as counselling. I recently attended a workshop ran by Quing, I thought it was excellent and I was intrigued by this model which seeks to keep it in the community, if you like, as opposed to state-provided services. It appealed to the more anarchic tendencies within me. I was also intrigued by the way such a model could be scaled and the wider effects that could have. So that's what I asked Graham about today, but I started out by asking him about his own path, his own traumas, and what had led him to setting up the charity, and that's where we jump in. As a human being, things happen in life. Some of us, some of those things make us more resilient, more whole, more rounded. And some of those things make us fractured. Uh, and things happen in childhood, things happen in adolescence. And for me, those things fractured who I was, there was big holes in my perception of who I am. Uh, and I became quite polarised as a person, there was two very distinct sides within me. Uh, and then that caused me a lot of pain, psychological, spiritual, whatever you want to call it. And then I learned to numb it. First with booze, then with drugs. Uh, and I became more and more and more numb. And then I was numb in real life as well. So as in, in my usual life, I became extremely numb. Therefore I wanted to become more activated so I was high or I was low and there was no middle bit so it was I was seesawing all the time and I was using substances I was using experiences uh, and I was either completely numb or completely activated and there was nothing in the middle uh, and my journey through the criminal justice system journey through addiction services my journey through mental health you know, I've done all those journeys. And then in 2005, I woke up one day and I just thought to myself, this is not working. I am going to find my own way out. There has to be more. There has to be a way of healing from where I am at the moment. Had you had optimism when you got involved with mental health services or anything else that, okay, I'm... I'm going to make progress now. Um, did you then meet a, a disillusionment? So, I'll, I'll, can I ask, I'll answer you a question back. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is your perception of a psychiatrist? Are they there to heal you or are they there to do something else? I would like to think it was mixed, but when you say psychiatrist particularly, I'm thinking more bandaging over with medication. Managing your risk right manage the harm that you inflict on yourself or on others mm. same with the prison service 
same with most traditional drug and alcohol teams. It's all about managing risk and managing harm. Okay, so that is the medical model, that is behaviorism, and it flows through everything we do because it's the everything is balanced towards that model from the science to the evidence to all of it. And you just go, you know, my experience and many of the people who I've worked with over the last 10 years, you just go round and round and round. And a strange codependency forms. The services need the client and the client needs yeah. the service. Yeah. Uh, and I got stuck in that. I was in that for, what, 15 years daily? Uh, and then I decided actually I'd go my own path. Uh, and I started the journey, you know, and I explored so many places. I you know, for the first, I suppose for the first eight years, I was looking for the magic bullet. What will fix me? What will heal me? What will, what will make me whole again? What kind of areas were you looking at? Uh, so I've searched the whole of Christianity. Uh, so I started off in a Baptist church and then went to the Anglican church. I've studied in a Catholic institute for a year. I ended up in a the most austere Anglican monastery in the world for a year. Uh, I searched counseling, I searched therapy. Uh, I'm a trained counselor. Uh, I search spirituality and there's no magic bullet. What there is is a journey. Uh, you know, you know, I search Tai Chi, I've you know, I've done Tai Chi, I've done yoga, I've done Chinese medicine, you know, I searched and you know, I'm pretty bloody minded. Uh, and if I set my course I will get to the end of there and I will train if I feel it's useful. Uh, and then one day I, w I woke up and thought to myself, actually, there is no magic bullet, so there's no point in looking for it. What's important is the next step. And whether that's a stride of a yard or whether that's a shuffle of an inch, that's what you need to concentrate on. That's where you need to be. Uh, and I look, you know, I look in the mirror. I, I don't shave it. I trim. Uh, so maybe once a week I, I trim my beard. And I look in the mirror. And I remember what I looked like back in 2005. And, you know, I was pretty messed up. Uh, I was extremely skinny. My hair was falling out. My teeth was falling out. My skin was coming off in flakes that size. And I look at myself, and the first thing I think is, shit, I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I have a birthday this weekend. Uh, and it's like, I didn't think I was going to get to 30. Uh, and I'm, uh, 
I'm I'm the I'm the wrong side of forty seven. Only on forty seven on Sunday on Monday, uh, and it's like I've got here, and it's like I shouldn't be here. Why? So in all that eclectic mix of spirituality and therapy, what did you find? It all made something of a difference, or it affected you in different ways, or was the one that you felt particularly was powerful for you? They were all powerful at the time. So often, I think as you search, once you make the decision to, to, to search, the universe, or if you want to use the word God, word God sends you the resources you need. And the events that you need when you are ready for them. Um, And the things that profoundly affected me at that moment in time are still profound, but at the same time, the things that happen there are different. It doesn't mean one's better than the mm -hmm. other. They were just mm -hmm. why sure. did that part of the journey. Uh, and seeing the journey, the, the, the healing process is a journey, not as an event. Uh, it's the experience that heals you, not the belief structure, mm -hmm. but it helps if you have hope. <laughs> yes, I yeah. understand. Yeah. Uh, and that was the thing that was missing within more traditional servers. You know, your hope is stripped away. You will be on this drug for the rest of your life. You will be in this system for the rest of your life. You will never get out. Uh, and that was when I f discovered hope. That's when I... Those strides, those little shuffles became strides. So you've carried your experience, this kind of philosophy into Quinn, the charity that you've established. Well, what drew you to establish a, a charity? Okay, uh, I'm allowed to say boredom. Uh, I know people complain about being bored, okay? Being bored is great. And the reason is, if you're bored, you begin, you if you if you re recognize you're bored, it means that you can be creative. And Quing is my response to being bored on one level. Uh, I don't know if that's a bizarre, a bizarre way of putting it. Uh, the other, I suppose, is I know what it's like to be trapped in a system that doesn't really do what it says on the tin. People deserve a different, a different path if they choose to choose it. So it's established as an alternative Is to it? the kind of system. It's that, it's that. Is it in an alternative? It's a different choice, you know. If if 
if you want a different approach, if you want a different way of looking at what's going on in your life, uh, if you do want to be diagnosed, if you want to be labelled, if you want to be medicated, if you want to be seen by professionals, mm -hmm. the medical model, the traditional services is for you, okay? If you want to take control of your life, if you want to develop, if you want to grow, if you want to be a place to belong, in a place where nearly everybody is equal, without labels, without diagnoses, with a simple premise, if that's the right word, that mental health, addiction, criminality, codependency, messed up relationships, getting stuck on benefits, all these are just symptoms of something underneath. Uh, and that's that root causes trauma. So if you come to our service, we don't label it. It's basically being traumatized and you need somewhere or an environment where you can heal, grow and develop new skills. And, what, and that's done in a community of people who are on a similar journey. So what kind of approach would you take to healing? If, it's a, if you're saying that trauma is what you see as being yeah. at the root of a lot of these yeah. problems. Um, I, I've been on a trauma workshop that yeah. been run, but it was excellent. But maybe you could describe how you feel that trauma needs to be engaged with and the kind of approach people might meet if they were to come along. Okay. So there is no one fits all size. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so first of all, it's learning about how trauma affects the central nervous system. If you understand, there is no blame, there is no judgment, there is no, there is no need to label, even, you've been traumatized. And there is no, you the behavior you manifest, whether it's addiction, whether it's mental health, whether it's offensive, whatever behavior you're manifesting, is a healthy, is a natural way of dealing with an unnatural event. There is no, you know, if you look <clears throat> prison population in the UK, I don't know what the facts are here. Uh, at one point, 90% of people who were going into prison, specific learning difficulty, which is dyslexia, dyspraxia, autism, uh, what's the fourth one, there's a fourth one, uh, ADHD, mm -hmm. okay, says so something about our education system or our inability to deal with people who aren't within two bands and considered normal, you know, you look at the percentage of people in the care system we've been through the uh, in the prison system we've been through the care system mm. again it's massive you know yeah nobody is asking the questions why what can we do to stop this let's just put them in prison and punish them why not look at the underlying trauma 
or the you know technical language adverse childhood events you know you start looking at adverse childhood events obesity you know obesity eating disorders uh mental health addiction you start getting people to look at adverse childhood events and all of a sudden it's like if you have more than this your, your percentage have more than this yeah it's like if you have more than this it's like you're yeah well, yeah why aren't we looking at that why aren't we dealing with those things so the next generation doesn't mm. end up where we are mm. so as a society where we stand we're not good at looking at trauma saying no, no. and i mentioned before on the podcast that being human at any point over any point in history is a yeah. fairly traumatic experience we've yeah. gone through wars and famines yeah uh, lots and lots of child abuse and parenting yeah over the years and we kind of have the option now we have the chance maybe to step back and look and start to address that trauma. Be being human has calmed down well, somewhat has it, has it? okay so <clears throat> you look at an 18 year old today i i'm i'm 47 next week the pressures on kids today are far greater than they were when I was young. You know, at school, we didn't have the access to information. We didn't have the social media. We didn't have, you know, if you wanted to go to the phone, you either asked your parents or you walked to the telephone box hmm. and made a telephone call. Now it's everything's instant. It's an instant pizza. It's an instant text message. It's a, and those pressures of it being instant and kids are growing up a lot quicker. They're being sexualized. They're being influenced by things that we were never influenced by because we have so much information that brings on its own stress. You know, as school kids are expected to perform, they're no longer allowed to be kids and there's this constant <clears throat> more 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 consumerism materialism as well so you, you will be happy when you own the latest pair of shoes which are 200 quid or you'll be happy when you go on holiday for two weeks in south america or whatever actually those things are outwards and it's sucking us out of who we are because we're looking outwards we're you know peace contentment it's found inwards. So Quinn also has this um, community aspect. Yeah. Right. What? How does that fit in with all? What does that look okay, like? Okay. So if you've been traumatized, you have a tendency to isolate yourself uh, because situations around people can activate past trauma. Certain places can so people smells tastes they can all activate you and nobody wants to go to that activated state so you start to isolate yourself you feel like you don't belong you feel uh judged whether that's judging you judging yourself or you judging other people who are judging you so it's it's very all very uh so it all becomes very a vicious circle and to break that circle is if you get people who have all had traumatic 
events in their life and you allow them to bond in a place where there is no agenda and you form a group of people who are all journeying together who can support each other uh, it becomes a, a peer support mm -hmm. system uh, and it starts to break down the vicious circle of isolation uh, it de develops a thing uh, have you come across the term recovery capital no please, well, please. okay uh, so recovery capital is if you want long-term change in someone's life you build four things into their life first is social capital which is about the bonds between them and their their neighbors and their friends so people who have low social capital isolate themselves and become more and more isolated and less and less engaged with the world uh, and consume more and more services mm -hmm. okay so the community aspect of Quing breaks builds social capital into that person's life okay the next one is material capital uh, so that's basically what resources physical resources you have that can be money that can be housing that can be you know physical objects which the more material capital you have the less the more the, the more material capital you have is so if you you can take yourself off to rehab if you want or you can take yourself off to from geographical location A to geographical location B so bang you can move so you're out of the destructive cycle you were in a in an A uh, personal capital what are your skills what are your attitudes what are your your mentality yeah uh, cultural capital is do you know the norms in the culture that you live so do you know how your society works what are the cultural norms what is the, the history of where you are if you look at the research if you have high those long-term change can happen i don't quite understand the relevance of the cultural one could you elaborate on that okay. the, okay. knowing the history of where you are okay, the... okay so if you understand the culture you live in mm -hmm. you can in some ways connect to the general population mm -hmm. you're acceptable you understand the rules of the game you get how your culture works so what would be an example of someone who struggled there because i can see struggling other ways but would it be like um something that would affect immigrants particularly or uh so so people have been through a case the care system often have low cultural capital oh, okay okay people who have been spent lots of time in prison right with you yeah. uh people who have been in the army so okay they don't yeah get, thanks they for don't get, but i'm yeah on board now I see what okay you mean. uh so we also talk because we're not a recovery community we're a discovery community and where there is a there is a difference mm -hmm. we talk about bridging capital so 
if you look at people who are in recovery and in recovery communities, they are still quite isolated. Okay. Okay. What we're saying is actually there's a different, there's, a, a, there's another thing which is involved and that's the ability to bridge from A to B to C. So it's seeing similarities and not seeing differences. So if you were to go to a normal recovery community, you'd have one for alcohol, you'd have one for drugs, you'd have mm, one. Sure. Yeah. yeah. We're saying actually the similarity is trauma. Yes. Yes. And if you can get that similarity and start seeing, oh, I'm, I'm like this person, even though they're manifesting a different symptom, all of a sudden you're starting to bridge. Yes. So when you say isolation in recovery communities, yeah. do you mean isolation from other groups who may be experiencing? Similar, but they're, they're, yeah. so instead of okay. saying different, we see similarities. Okay, so in a, in a queen group, there's no, there's no sort of special group for this problem or that no, problem. The no. groups are defined around. So uh, in fact, we don't even, we try not to even tell people what group to go to. Hmm. We tell them what's available and then let them make the juice. So it's all about people developing uh, self-efficacy. Mm -hmm. yeah, you choose. Some things, because of the accredited qualifications we run, we have to say, you do need to do this group because otherwise you won't get your qualification. Okay, and people are becoming qualified to... Okay, uh, oh, that's a completely different story. So, well, yeah. have, okay, so we have, at the moment, we have uh, a level one, a level two, and level three in peer mentoring. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's from off, so because we're the emerging, emerging model, emergent model, we, there's other groups around the world who are doing similar stuff to mm -hmm. us, mm -hmm. and we all, all know each other. <laughs> it's, it's just one of those. Uh, so we're borrowing this peer mentor scheme from our friends in Portsmouth called Pushing Change. Mm -hmm. uh, so Danny, who set Pushing Change up, has a similar background to me. They're borrowing stuff from us. We're borrowing stuff from them. Uh, and it's all very exciting because they're still quite recovery. So they have mental health, they have addiction, they have prison, they have, yeah. We, so they're, they're coming to us to learn about trauma and discovery while we're going to them to learn about peer mentoring and the best mm -hmm. way to train. So mm -hmm. there's this, this flow of information and, and experience and it's great. So. Okay, so people will be coming, they're coming for recovery or discovery, um, but they're learning that to, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, that's got to be quite life enhancing and inspiring too, right? Because oh, yeah. so, so. I think people are drawn to the, with the concept of peer mentoring. Um, I, what I, I find, and see if you, this tallies of your experience, mm. people very much like when they're struggling with something, it's inspiring if you're attempting to transcend that in some yeah. way to feel that you're learning to help someone else in the process. Yeah. So, so, so if you, if it's all about you being healed, there's something selfish in that. Mm. Okay. Uh, and sometimes you do have to be selfish. Uh, but at the same time, if you're learning 
to heal yourself and at the same time learning to support other people in healing themselves and that's what becoming a peer mentor is you know there is a plateau there comes a point where there's a healing you've come you, there comes a point where the healing needs to become different and that way is a, that's when people are ready to become a peer mentor mm-hmm but often with peer mentors, you start to train them a lot, you know, months before they're ready. And part of be training to become a peer mentor is about your own healing. It's, it's, it's a very, it's, yeah, no, it's, I, it's quite complex. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, I, just an example from my own stuff. I found people were much more willing to engage in the kind of sessions I do when they were done as part of a study, right? Say it's part of a study and then people feel they're helping the wider world yeah. by taking part yeah. because they're producing data that's going to help other people. Yeah. And it's almost like it's an excuse, like that oh, yeah. they need to give yeah. themselves because yeah. they wouldn't invest all that time in themselves for themselves. Yeah. But if it's helping Others. for the greater good, and then this, okay. And this is the thing is, you know, with our PM mentors, there's like four stages. The first stage is the induction training. Uh, so, before, so the first stage is you come, you come to the Discovery Cafe, you start participating in a few of the groups and the lectures. There's no agenda. All, all it is is come and see what we're doing. Uh, we have some great people who come over to the from the UK. We have some great people come over from Ireland. And it's all about groups. It's about finding a place to belong, discovering new friendships, developing social capital, developing our cultures. Quite special but we explain what our culture is so people can learn our mm-hmm. social develop their own social capital or cultural capital if you learn our cultural capital you can then go and learn somewhere else because we're quite open about it mm-hmm. so you then when 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 we have our induction peer mentor course which is a four-day course everybody knows it's on and you go through it and then there's other things become available to you such as the the accredited peer mentoring we do communication workshops uh we're doing focusing where you know so it's open and then there's a pathway begins at the induction training because the induction training gives you the skills to then progress uh, and it in a way it shows you who you really are you know there's so many you know in our society we wear so many masks we hide behind so many things the induction training is about taking that mask off only maybe for half a second and all of a sudden you see who you are and it gives you a chance to journey so you can be that person more and more often and how have you found responses to it over the uh, you've been doing okay so the four-day course we we have a we have a form uh, a feedback form uh, life changing uh, can I do it again uh, when you know it's just when when step two happening yeah uh, loads of po- you know never had any f- negative feedback on the on the four day mm-hmm. course so mm-hmm. and what's your um what's your vision like as the months turn to the years okay. and this and it spreads out uh, where, where would you like to see all this going 
in many ways, I want to put myself out of work. That sounds a strange way of looking at it. So, if you, so for the next, say, five, five, ten years, I, I'm, we train PMNs, and some of them will end up working full time. Some of them will go back and get a job in the community working for a building firm or whoever. But you, they will be, they will be of skilled enough to when they're living in the community. That the kid down the road is having a hard time and life's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. They can have a word on them. So it's it's changing the fabric of society in, yeah, in some way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's the cultural shift. It's a cultural shift. Is that actually the best person to help that young fella who's having a hard time at school or whatever's happened in their life and drinking a bit too much just discovering drugs. There's a fella living up the road who went through it, who has the skills. It's like a, it's like a first responder. With some ways, being, the, yeah, the it's confidence that. as well, I imagine, um, that people might want to engage with someone who seems to be struggling but wouldn't have the confidence to do so yeah. and for doing some training. And, yeah. and you know, all of our all of our peer mentors are, are trained by an accredited course that's recognized internationally. We're talking with our friends to set something international up to, to, so there's an international group of us who are doing similar work, have a similar ethos and a, a support, if you want to call it that, uh, and see, see, you know, you know see what's the difference in cultural capital or culture between doing it in the old man and in Portsmouth or in Bosnia or in America or in South Africa or and there's that what are the differences but more importantly what 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 do we have together or what what's going on for us that we can share what can we how can we hybridize what we're doing and there will always be differences but the important bit is what's the core of being a peer mentor whether it's, you know, whichever field you're in. And that's where it starts getting exciting in many ways, so. Okay, thank you very much, Graham. Is there anything else you'd like to no. speak on the topic? I think it's, no. a, it's a very exciting yeah. vision and project and yeah. we'll link to it below. Yes, for... and you're more than welcome to come on the next peer mentor induction training. Thank you very much. I shall put it in my diary and details of all this stuff if you're living on the Isle of Man, or maybe we can put a, a link in for people that aren't, um, to them, this is the kind of concept, yeah. right? So yeah. people can find out more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're just about to launch our website. I've been told that it's time to move off just Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be at quing.im. Okay. I'll put the link below and yeah. chances are it'll be active for the time yeah. this goes out. Okay. Thank you.